Welcome to the latest episode of Mistress Mia's Dungeon. I'm your hostess, Mistress Mia, and you know my crazy sidekick, Master John. So, <laughs> it's me. Yes. I'm here. Yes. All right. So, <laughs> so today we have a, a lovely dom, uh, Miss Kitten. You are all the way from Africa, and you know we're all the way on the other side of the pond. So, <laughs> thank you but, for joining us, though. Yes, we're thrilled that honor. you're here. Yes, very much so. So today we really want to talk about what you have to say about consent. Uh, we've dealt with consent violations ourselves. It's always a it's always a sticky subject. Very sure. sticky and not in a fun way. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, it's an important subject. We ha- everyone has a need to to have this conversation. Absolutely. But, so hi guys, we go. Hey, thank hey. you for welcoming. Thank you so much for having me. And um, we have we're in winter at the moment. Um, it's beautiful and green. We've had lots of rain. There are um, amazing daisies um, all over our fields. So it looks really beautiful, but it's about two degrees, and um, we're really uh, we're really waiting for spring. I'm sure you guys get colder than we do, but we really feel like we're we're battling in Africa and Africa's version of, of daisies for snow. So it's really pretty, but um, really cold at the moment. So, uh, wow. yeah, but, um, and um, it's Sunday, Sunday evening here for me. And um, we've had quite a weekend of consent um, conversations and um, I'm really happy to be able to be here on this podcast and share some of my, some of my feelings on consent with you guys. We can't wait. Okay. And you were saying <laughs> earlier that the community there is is growing. It's it's not as um I don't want to say advanced, but we the community here has, has been here a little bit longer and a little bit more mature than the community there. Yeah. I think you guys are more established. I think you, I think you guys have a better network, and I, I just think you know. Um, I think kink is less shameful in your community than it has been in our community. Maybe our, our sort of political history doesn't give us um, as much um, leeway for for education as yours has, and um, so we get a. I take a lot of um, influence from the guys that are doing consent work, like the Consent Academy and stuff in the States. And they've been um, really instrumental in in the stuff that I'm starting to teach. But our community is starting to expand and grow. And we're starting to mix communities. We sort of have a swingers community that's um, now quite involved in BDSM parties. And we're just finding that um, there's a need for education um, I don't think education can stop consent violations, but I think that that the more we can educate people, it gives us a platform to be able to accept accountability and deal with the violations better. Because I think it doesn't matter how educated you are, at some point in your life, you're going to experience a consent violation and you're going to be a perpetrator of a consent violation. We all make mistakes. And um, so I think the most important thing for me in teaching consent is um, teaching people to be accountable for their actions and to um, find a way forward when we make these mistakes because they're going to happen with human beings and it's just human nature that that's going to be part and parcel of this very experimental process that we participate in. Absolutely. So part of the education 
do you find that there's a lot of people in the community that don't realize that they have the ability to say no or to use safe words in a in the proper way? So it's part of your education teaching them, hey, it's okay to say no. Yeah. So, so my, my I think my biggest part of my education was realizing that I couldn't say no, that, that I think the culture that I live in is a culture where I have to go to work and I have to say yes to everything. Um, when people ask me how I'm feeling, I have to say I feel fine and I'm okay. And that's not always the truth. So if I'm not practicing saying no in my everyday life, it's really hard for me to then go out into a kink um, environment with my hormones flowing and adrenaline and endorphins and dopamine in my system and then have the ability to, to practice something I haven't been practicing in, in my everyday life. So for me, it was sort of realizing that I needed to start to say no to the small things, bring it into every part of my life, not just the kink side of my life. So um, negotiate. So I'll share that with you after. It helped us um, have a format, the um, loss of thought process into something that was more productive and handle expectations and handle perspectives um, and then bring a better scene together at the end of the day. So I film quite a bit of fetish porn and my, my scenes are, I'm sure you see my stuff, my scenes are always extreme. And I, I realized how extreme I was when somebody sent me some CBT notes the other day and there was like a like a beginner section and a middle section and an extreme section. And I realized like I have done never done any of the beginner stuff. Like I just went straight to the extreme, like nailing 12 nails through testicles was like one of my first CBT efforts. So, you know, <laughs> I'm the person that didn't negotiate in the beginning and um, the extreme really has a calling to me and I love it. But um, finding a way to negotiate it better makes the extreme really much more fun and the scene's quite epic. And I think it takes it out of the sort of sensual and and makes it, it brings it into the erotic for me because you're able to play with so much more and you're able to add so much more into the situation. And um, yeah, so better negotiation was definitely my first start. And I now have taken that negotiation and um, I negotiate with everything, with my clients at work, with my um, guys in the dungeon, with the people that I film fetish porn with, and with my models that I do fetish art on. And it, it's really just created this platform for intimacy that has been phenomenal. And my scenes have just got bigger and better, and and my friendships have got so much better. And coming out of everything, there's an enormous joy in what we create now because everybody's perspectives are managed. And I'm the first one to say, like, it's never perfect and what we negotiate on paper and through the whole thing is is never really what happens because we are human and we are we are open to a whole lot of different variables but it's given me it's given me so much more ability to create to create and to enjoy myself in kink and um i've lost a lot of the sort of shame and regret and yeah so i really found a freedom in it which sounds really strange because um, I was the girl that if you'd asked me probably six years ago, you know, um, has anybody ever called red in a scene with you? I would have been absolutely horrified. Like that was like, I would be like, no, like it doesn't happen. Like it doesn't get to that point. And now I'd be quite proud if somebody had the capacity to trust me enough to use their voice in a scene and to call red and to say to me, whoa, stop. And didn't feel compelled to finish a scene, but rather, you know, and, and I would have taken it as a personal failure then. And now for me, 
um, I would I would really be um, proud of somebody who could use their voice in that situation with me and and that I could listen to their voice and that I could hear their voice. So, um, yeah, it's been incredibly empowering from that point of view. And I just I just feel that we're playing we're playing with biochemistry, which is something I don't think any of us really truly understand. And um, it's a powerful force and it's an amazing force and it can be incredibly erotic. And the scenes I do with needles, I, I, I sort of it's a basic endorphin release, but you can you can add a fear play into that and re- re- release adrenaline or you can add impact play to that and you can release dopamine. So you can really tailor that if you have a better understanding of the person you're playing with. Um, and it's not an automatic thing and it does come with um, uh, years of sort of trust and relationships and 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 but the intimacy at the end of the day is just phenomenal and i'm i'm just tired of seeing these girls go into situations and come out and feel this enormous regret and shame and maybe i can share you know maybe i share a little bit of that from from my past experiences and i don't want anybody else to to feel that so i feel quite empowered when i'm able to give people this ability to negotiate and um and let them explore something safely because it's really kink is just it's a phenomenal uh, sort of endless endless skill set and it's a toolbox that is just yeah it's just it's changed my life so i really like to share that with other people that's great i know that you know we have events and you know we always encourage people to come but you know a lot of times we get a lot of you know newcomers and they're they're young they're 21 22 and they come to events and, you know, they want to play, they want to have fun, but, you know, we give them, you know, a heads up, Hey, you need to be very cautious. If you play with, you know, we have dungeon monitors, but you know, it's still, like you said, the endorphins are going, the, the hormones are going and they're in this setting and they want to play. But ultimately, you know, there's times where, you know, people are regretful, you know, and they aren't very cautious you know, we've stopped scenes and we've done those kind of things, but, you know, you're talking about girls that I find women so much more vulnerable, you know, especially if they're coming to a big event and that kind of thing. So is there specific advice or key points that you teach in your class on consent? Yeah, I think, I think the first thing is this is not the Olympics. Like you, you, you're going to get another chance, slow down, um and it's like whoa yeah you know there's no prize there's no prize at the end of this and you're you you I'm 40 I've had I've had 20 years and I still have another 20 20 years to go and another huge amount of chances so um it doesn't have to happen immediately um it's for me this is this is something that um you've got to separate the fantasy from the reality um and I think that sort of approaching kink as individual skills where you learn the skill, you try the skill out on yourself and you experience it personally before you allow somebody else to touch you um, was probably my best advice. And then I sort of think of it like I'm really sporty and I compete quite a quite a bit in different areas I um, and I compete um, with horses, I ride quite a bit. So if I was going to go to a trainer who wasn't going to touch me, but was going to offer me advice that I was going to take, and then I was going to use the advice, I'd research that trainer quite intensely, and I, you know, I, I would make sure that the trainers ethically 
aligned with my ethics on the subject before I put them in a situation where, you know, it was kind of life or death and they were telling me to gallop madly at the fence and um, risk my life. And I think that we, I find it strange that people don't do the same with their bodies. You know, we, we're so judgmental about who we pick as a gym trainer or a, or a family doctor or a gynecologist, but we're quite okay to play with a guy in the corner because he's got a paddle in his hand. Like it, it, that doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. And I think I think we need to be a little bit more aware of you know the choices that we're making making for ourselves. And I think there's a little bit of this fear that we're going to miss out and we're not going to have this opportunity again. But the reality is, like people have been smacking each other for for, for a long time, and they're going to keep smacking each other. There'll be another guy in a leather jacket in the corner of the dungeon, I promise you, in a year's time. So maybe just watch today, and then you know, if if you haven't tried it out on yourself, if it's something you you haven't experienced and you ha- and you haven't researched, the idea of kind of blindly going into it just really isn't the best choice that you can make for yourself. And the other thing for me is is this. Whole idea that you have to join life and become a sub, you know, you kind of as a woman. I think guys are different, maybe because they pay a dom and they handle their sort of expectations up front, so they negotiate a little bit more and they be a submissive. And um, being submissive, it's an incredible journey, and I, I am a hundred percent behind you, and I love that journey for you. But start as a bottom, start as a receiver, without a power dynamic involved in the situation, um, and keep that submission for somebody who really matters in your life and really makes a difference. And, and just enjoy the DS dynamic and separate it from separated from the DS dynamic and separated from sex in the beginning. So and take it slow. Especially with stuff like like impact, I think impact is one of the having done impact for so long on other people. Um, the triggers that come up with impact and the the regret that comes from that huge dopamine release can be really really hectic on your body. You need to have an understanding on how these the, the biochemistry of what's happening to you actually affects you. Um, and until you've done that, like just slow the fuck down, really. It's, you're not going to win anything. Tonight. So as a dom, we're talking a lot about um, consent for subs and having their consent and how to negotiate those. As a dom, do you find it important to be able to say no to a sub? I want you to do this to me and you don't feel comfortable doing it. You don't have experience doing it. How, how do you teach that part of the consent? Um, if somebody hasn't got experience, then the play is totally different for me. If if somebody doesn't have an experience, it's it, and they they want something. And impact play is a really good one as a as an example because um, you never know what you what your triggers are until you've been hit. And I've had some interesting I've had some interesting plays, and not so much with guys. I think guys were caned at school, and they were kind of so they've experienced it from a young age. We had corporal punishment here for a long time. So I think I still cane a whole lot of guys that are used to used to being caned by their mistress, their school teachers, when they were little. So they 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 know what to expect and they they want they want what they're coming for. Um, and I think also the guys that come and see you are, are paying for the service. And I think when you're paying for something, you put your objectives out in front and you put your expectations out in front and you have a better understanding. But if you haven't experienced before, you've got to take it really slowly. So I 
I have to align ethically with a player. I won't play with anybody that I had I haven't known for over a year. So we need to have had a friendship. It doesn't need to be necessarily in person, but we needed to have communicated on FET. I need to see that you that you are accountable for the stuff that you post, that your replies to me make sense. And this has happened for a year. And then if you want to play with me, um, we've obviously we've obviously chatted about it. You'll I've given you as much research on the subject as I can because I, I think there's an enormous amount available. Um, and I also find that I research everything. So for somebody to, who doesn't research something and who, who doesn't educate themselves, that's just a big red flag for me that we don't align ethically. So it matters to me that so, so the players that then would play with me, or I'd say yes to would, would be people that align ethically on those sort of levels. And if we align ethically and it's still something you want to experience, I take it as a one-on-one experience first. Like, We'd try a little bit of impact um, and probably over your clothes um, and I'd send you home and you'd probably feel a bit frustrated that it wasn't like epic. Um, but I'd like to know how you then cope on Monday morning and how it affects your capacity as a human being before I beat the shit out of you. Right. That's great. Yeah. The first time for me, especially the first time I play with anybody, it's always more about even though we've talked and they say what they want and all this, it's more about what, do, how do you react to what I'm doing? Not how mm. hard can I hit you and how much pain can I inflict? It's how are you reacting and how it's, it's building that dynamic and that trust. It's not, and you're right. It's not going to be that epic scene the first time, especially with people that talk about consensual non-consent. You, that takes months. That takes months of playing and, negotiating and all kinds of things to build that trust to be able to go to that level where those people want to be but it in the end it's worth it but you have you have to be safe and you have to understand the person that you're playing with so so i have a really i think i think guys are just are just easier from their point of view i have a really good um <laughs> Yeah. Have a really good way with 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 the guys that come and see me in the dungeon because there's there's nothing more humiliating than giving a guy a cock cage, um, with him standing naked in front of you while you're beautifully dressed and sipping uh, sipping your coffee on a chair, and it's the first time he's put on a cock cage and watching him struggle with doing putting the cock cage on and his reaction and there's normally like one of three reactions either they try the same thing and it fails and they try the same thing over and over again <laughs> and they don't change the process and they just get crosser and crosser and crosser and crosser and i just i just know already from that reaction you know that the guy hasn't approached it differently he he hasn't attempted to change the process of of putting the balls in a certain way he he hasn't altered anything he's just got angry and I, you know so that that is one personality type for me i get another personality type who who will who will try one way and then they'll stop and they'll think about it try another way and they'll stop and they'll think about it um and then the third personality who once they get stuck just give up so um you know th that that for me is a big um it's a big indicator of how well we're going to play <laughs> together in the future because I need you to think outside the box 
and I need you I need you to not get cross in that situation. So how are you dealing with dealing with this little bit of stress in your in, in the relationship and I've humiliated you and I've put you in a position that you're uncomfortable. How you deal with that in the beginning gives me an idea of how we're going to deal with bigger things when when they come up in our relationship. And the other thing I I really get the guys to do is I get them to wash my feet as a, as the first thing in my dungeon because um I want to know that that number one, I'm enjoying the the, the experience with the guy. Um, I want to know that he ha- he's respectful. He's got the right manners. He's you know that that he ticks all my boxes as well. Because this for me, you know, like I said before, it's not the Olympics for me. This is something I do for fun and for pleasure, and I need to enjoy it as well. So if I don't align with a guy and I'm not enjoying him washing my feet. Um, I'm really not going to enjoy so get, providing a service for him on any level. And, um, you know, then I've often called it and said, you know, oh, I've really simplified this session and made him wash my feet for 45 minutes or I've made him do housework or something like that and, you know, have him phone him back. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, that is a great observation. I mean, I think that's really good advice for people is to see how well they handle the simplest tasks. Because it is, it is humiliating to say, here, put this cock cage on your little, little dick. I love doing that. <laughs> and then I'll put a butt plug next to them and I'll say, show me what you're going to do with that. It's always fun. <laughs> an, ele- an electric butt, butt plug, because then once, it in, once it's in, you still have a little bit of control over the situation. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 I just, I just, yeah, I just. I think in the beginning in Kink, I was really like, I was really gung-ho and I've just, I've just learned that it's not about the first experience. It's about the 50th experience for me. It's, it, I want the big plays and I, I want the huge stuff. Like that is, that is why I do this stuff. Like that's um, because those reactions are the reactions that I, that I want. And it becomes art to me. It becomes something that I've created. And in creating that, um, the photography side is also quite important to me. So I get a I get a big kick about being able to photograph it and edit it and 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 feel the emotion through the pictures afterwards. So you know it's become bigger to me than than just an orgasm or some guy getting off or something like that. I I've lost interest in 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 that. I do think it's easy for me to say these things because I'm in a really stable relationship, and I think that that has a lot to do with with you know how I approach other people because I'm really not looking for for um, love and um, being told I'm a good girl. I have that. I have that, and that's really stable in my life. So I I would recommend you know I recommend that to anybody is finding somebody that you love and trust. And even if you know my 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 vanilla partner is really vanilla, we love latex together and we share a love for latex, but he's definitely not into pain i mean, i once pinched him with a zip tie on his penis and he still 10 years later has not forgiven me for that so that's about as much pain as we've experienced so for someone who loves to to drive nails through things and stick a million needles into things um i get to experience that with other people but i'm not looking for the relationship out of it i'm looking for the intimacy and i'm looking for friendship and i'm looking for trust so I think that it makes it easier for me because I don't come with emotional baggage. Um, and I think a lot of time women come with an enormous amount of need for this acceptance and this love. Um, and through my partner, I've managed to find that in myself. So I, I, I used to, I think I used to be terrible 
but um, I've improved a lot and um, it's lovely to have that that stable platform to operate off. And I understand not everybody has that, but it's definitely, I highly recommend that. That's probably the first step. Yeah, we've noticed a lot of times, you know, in, in the groups that we're in and different things in this community is that, you know, women are always crying aftercare. Well, he didn't give me aftercare. He didn't give me, you know, and it's like we deal with, you know, doing sessions with men and men are just like, yeah, my aftercare is my, you know, <laughs> orgasm or <laughs> just having fun. And, you know, they just don't require that. But so many women and I'm not shaming, God forbid, no. I'm not saying that. But, you know, I think that, like you said, women come with baggage. People don't realize how delicate they are. And you do have to baby that situation. You have to, you know, nurture every aspect about them, especially a submissive female, you know. I think, too, um, you know, we talk about the endorphins and the dopamine and the chemical release and the physical release. But for a lot of women and a lot of sub men. It's an emotional release as well. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Also, go ahead. No, sorry. I just want to. I want to touch on. I want to touch on aftercare for me. And you know, the more I get into get into kink, and the the bigger the scenes I sort of experience, it's not about aftercare for me. It's about self care, and this becomes this becomes a question of capacity. It's really important for me that we have the capacity to to look after ourselves and we're aware of what capacity we have to extend ourselves um and you have to be able to self-soothe and you have to know what you need and so for me in a negotiation i need to know i need to be able to ask for what i need and if i'm playing with a person that can't ask me for that that's a huge red flag and it's you know it's almost it's almost a consent violation against me to hear that i haven't done the aftercare that they haven't asked for because there is, you know, there, there is a process in my, in my negotiation that says, what do you need from me up front so that I can say, yep, I can do that or I can't do that. And, you know, when I do big needle scenes and I do needles down the back of somebody who lives on their own, it, it's a big question for me because who is going to clean that wound? So it's important for me to know that there is somebody who can do the immediate aftercare um, because I can't come and give you coffee. Um, at on a on a Wednesday afternoon after I've played with you on a Saturday, I have a job and I have a partner and and I make people very aware of this up front. And I, I think it's it's handling those expectations, but coming to the party with your boundaries, your needs and your limitations is also really important. Um, and then handling your your further expectations, because this this taught idea on this that that that, that aftercare is going to be a whole bunch of cuddles and hugs and love. Um, really just doesn't do it for me. Like I like that you might need a hug afterwards and that's great, but you know, that's not what I'm offering you. My job is my job is to give you an experience in kink. And um so if you can't if you can't come ethically to tell me that that's what you need and you can't allow me to say I can't give that to you and then you can't decide yes or no if you still want to play, you know, I'm I'm not really there to pick you up. And I'll relate it back to the sports again. If I pay a coach to to take me to a show with my horse and to coach me over the big fences and to tell me, I certainly, after my adrenaline rush at the show, Monday morning, I don't expect that coach to come bring me coffee in bed. 
you know it, it's it's you got to be realistic about this like you know to have that type of aftercare for me comes with a whole lot of other stuff like then then it's a relationship and then it's a commitment and you know there are other expectations so this fantasy idea that aftercare is 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 going to be provided by everybody who smacks you on the bum that's great but then you have to put it on the table before you stand up and if you can't accept that i can't do that we're not the right player for each other so i i just think that in in the negotiation but you can you know the self-care and the capacity I know that if I don't have the capacity to have a play, that I won't do it. I don't have if I don't feel 100%. I'm not going to get on that horse and jump a meter 30 today. It's it's not going to happen because I'm risking my life doing it. It's the same as I wouldn't go into into a dungeon and put 200 needles in somebody if I if it wasn't emotionally an eight out of ten and physically an eight out of ten. And those two those two emotional and physical check-ins have become like a daily thing for me. And I think because the the, the sport influence helps a lot. But um, even in my personal relationships, I can stand in the kitchen and I can just raise four fingers and my, my, my partner can look at me and he'll be like, oh, crap, she's a four out of ten. I better get out of my mother-in-law's space before she <laughs> before she loses it. You know, it's a big it's a big indication. And if I'm not an eight out of ten and I ride the horse or I play or whatever, the next day I'm I'm going to I'm going to drop four because I've used all my adrenaline, all, all my dopamine. Everything's gone. All my serotonin gone from my body. And I'm going to drop. So if I started as a two out of ten, where am I going? I'm going to suicidal tendencies, and this is this is something I have to be aware of. You know, this is not my dom's responsibility or my partner's responsibility. This is my own. You know, I'm responsible for my own self care, and I just I just I hate the term aftercare because it implies that you know I'm going to come and rub your fucking feet. At, you know on a Wednesday afternoon and I'm not going to do that I'm not like I'm not even going to put needles down your back if you can't prove to me that you've got somebody who can help clean that because I can't offer to clean your back five days afterwards and and a, a big needle scene you can have marks for three weeks afterwards and need care for three weeks afterwards so yeah a little bit strict about that <laughs> love it <Hey. laughs> No, that was probably the best answer we've ever it heard. It really is. Yeah. That's great. You, you said it beautifully. That's great. You know, my my theory is it's <laughs> no, go ahead. My theory is 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 so much like yours. I John and I've had this conversation before. Is that you know if if you can't take the responsibility to come and play and actively talk about everything and participate one hundred and ten percent, you don't need to do it. Yeah. So I just. I just for some you know it just people people you want to play an adult game but you want to you want me to treat you like a child and the two just don't connect and um even the even the kids I teach yeah. um in in a sort of a horse riding environment the horse needs a saddle and a bridle and it's not going to happen on its own so if you want to ride as an eight-year-old you need to go to the Go to the and you've got to tack that pony up and you've got to deal with that pony for 15 minutes in the stable um before you're gonna get it settled up. Um and mum can't help you because when you sit on that pony as an eight-year-old, you're the only one that can pull the rein. Can't actively pull them for you and you're on your own. So if you can't carry the saddle and bridle and mommy's still doing that for you, I I can't teach you from from that. So maybe maybe I'm a bit harsh in the way I portray it, but you know, we are responsible for ourselves and it's about deciding that we really want to do it and then dealing with the consequences afterwards. And yes, there's, there's that you can have 
maybe an enormous you know amount of support around you and you can have a team around you to help you but <laughs> when you're riding those big fences you're doing it on your own and it's your own decisions so you're making your own choices and um you've got to deal with some sometimes i'm not being good too so you know make good ones to start like make good choices please <laughs> <laughs> that's great advice <laughs> with you talking about ponies and horses i'm thinking do you have a human pony at this point? <laughs> I do have a human pony. I do have a human pony. And he's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and in fact, his new mask arrived last week, and I've just ordered a new latex cat suit for him. So I'm super excited. And I also exciting. have a new latex back bed. I have a new, the frames actually, we just set the frame up on the floor because we got it this afternoon. So really excited because. I'm so wanting to try this vac bed. Um, I've always used other people's and never really had um, access to my own. So we're going for a fitting tomorrow afternoon at Edenware, and I'm super excited to um, awesome. have one to come home and play with. So yeah, so definitely. <laughs> and the pony play, the po pony play thing is a bit new to me. I'm a bit, I'm a bit careful about DS dynamics. I'm a bit, a little bit careful about role play. I can be a bit official and um. Not that you could tell by the way I was speaking earlier, but I can be a bit precise and a bit official. So I find the fantasy side a little bit harder. So this is this the whole the whole role play thing is a little bit new for me, but I am loving it. That's fabulous. That's that, that's a great way to end this. Yeah. Thank you again so much for coming to talk with us. With this is very Thank exciting you guys. for us. Thank you. We love Thank it. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys, and keep safe. All right. Yeah. Thanks again. Bye. To everybody out there. <laughs> Until next time, make all of your consensual fantasies become realities. <laughs> Thank you again.